This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. something that has featured pretty prominently in the conversations that we've had here on the Larry Daniel Favors show. And we have seen, uh, we've had our fair share of guests on to help us unpack a variety of issues when it comes to mental health. And often those issues have been very specific to a specific issue. They've spoken to a specific incident of violence. They've spoken to a specific uh, stream of consciousness that sometimes we have when we're about to engage in some behaviors. But this year, I really want to have more conversations about mental health generally, not in response to a crisis, but proactively. I want us to think more critically about how we show up for ourselves, how we show up for each other. And and my two questions for this year, not only how do we free us, thank you, poet Sonia Sanchez, but also how does it heal the village? And it seems to me that if we're approaching mental health from a reactive perspective, as opposed to one that is going to allow us to really um, be much more intentional, uh, much more proactive, have an approach to mental health before the crises come, it just seems to me that the latter is an approach that is more in line with making sure the village can actually heal. Uh, joining me right now is Michael Barnett. Uh, he's a licensed graduate professor professional counselor in Maryland and a member of the American Counseling Association with over five years of experience in the counseling and mental health field. Uh, He has experience working with young adults, individuals, couples, and families, and a passion for assisting couples and individuals navigating through transitional stages, relationship conflicts, anxiety, depression, adjustment issues, self-esteem, and anger management. Uh, he provides multiple eclectic approaches that utilize research-based techniques in order to assist his clients in achieving their goals and overcoming life obstacles. Uh, his goal is to build a rapport with his clients that allows them to feel heard and understood. And he's of the culture. I just need to put that out there because, you know, it's important that we are clear about who we are talking to and the cultural expertise we expect them to have. Uh, Michael Barnett, it's a real pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for being with us today. Here. Thank you so much for that amazing intro. I appreciate it so Listen, much. Listen, y'all do the work. I just I just report. I just say what's happening, but y'all do the actual work. Um, I, I really do mean that, though. It feels to me, sir, that we have an approach to mental health in this country is, oh, wow, there's a mass shooting. Perhaps he should have had some mental health care. And I'm saying he intentionally because often that's the way we approach mental health care when it comes to a male identified people in our community, particularly black male identified identify people in our community. And so I'd like to just hear from you, your perspective on this, the way that we approach mental health generally in the black community, uh, that after effect approach that we take in the American community and what in your expertise would be a much healthier way for the village to approach thinking about mental health going forward. Well, I think first and foremost, we have to be able to destigmatize, um, you know, our thoughts around mental health in general. I think, um, I know when I was growing up, the stigma around mental health was, oh my goodness, you're seeing a therapist, you're crazy, there's something going on, there's something wrong with you, all of that. When in reality, that's not the case. Mm. A lot of us go to, um, you know, therapists for difficulty with stress or possibly we don't know how to overcome an issue that, you know, from childhood or anything like that. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that we're crazy and we're Mm. seeking medication or 
anything like that. So I think once we as a culture are able to kind of uh, destigmatize that and recognize the healing that can happen in therapy and the growth that can happen in therapy, um, I think that we will be able to just kind of take off and we'll be able to really embrace what therapy has to offer. You know, you are a part of this group, Minds in Motion, uh, an organization that is dedicated to providing what you identify as outstanding therapeutic services for all populations through movement. And and Minds in Motion, I've been I've been following some of the work that y'all are doing. It seems to me that you have not just a, a healthier approach to thinking about mental health, but you have a culturally driven approach to thinking about mental health. Can you talk with us about the role that culture plays in securing a relationship with a mental health therapist? Um, that is going to be effective and what role culture plays in helping to unpack what's happening to us in some of those therapy sessions? Well, a lot of times uh, <laughs> Black people will not go to a therapist because they feel like they will not understand where we're coming from. They won't right. understand culture. So it feels a lot better when we look across the room as a client to see our therapist looks like us, he behaves like us, he or she behaves like us, I'm sorry, and they come from a similar background that, uh, as we do. So once we're able to see that, we open up a little bit more. We put those walls down just a little bit because it's like, okay, well, I don't have to put on a certain voice. I don't have to watch what I say. I can be my full authentic self without any repercussions or without any judgments coming from my therapist, which mm. is huge. So if our therapists are you know, down to earth and very authentic and we can speak the exact same language as our clients, it allows our clients to be more open and want to grow and want to develop even more in the sessions that we have with them. Mm. One of the things that I've been seeing is I, as I sort of take off my lawyer hat and put on my educator hat and where the work that I do in the schools. And this is something that I've heard a lot uh, from a lot of the educators that I work with. And that is that uh, as a result of this pandemic, with these two years of lockdown or however long the lockdowns were, or all of this stuff that we went through as a nation, that the toll that they're seeing that those stressors have on their students, the young people, and I'm specifically speaking about the young black men who they are, who are in their school communities has been devastating. And we, yesterday we talked a lot about, you know, the learning loss that get, took place over the course of the past two years, but the mental health support loss, because while you're at home, chances are if you had a therapist at school, and that's a big if for most of our students, you weren't still seeing that therapist during the pandemic. Um, if you had a therapist before the pandemic, your ability to contact them regularly was often interrupted um, as therapists themselves were going offline or going online because they were no longer able to do the in-person visits. We, there was just a lot there. And I'm wondering yeah. if you can talk with us about what you've seen in your practice as it pertains to the way that the, the stressors of the COVID-19 pandemic has particularly impacted Black men uh, who you get a chance to meet and work with. Yes, absolutely. Um, a huge piece of, you know, Black men going through school, whether it's middle school, high school, whatever, a big piece of that are the relationships that we're able to build with our friends, with our teachers, um, in person. It's mm. so important to build that. So with us having to experience this pandemic, we don't get that that same closeness that we would get when we were actually in person in school. So a lot of times what I'm seeing now is a lot of social anxiety. I'm seeing a lot of um, just changes in comfortability around people. We don't necessarily know how 
people to carry those conversations or keep those conversations going because we're so used to being confined into this one space for I lost track of time. (laughs) It seems like 2020 was just yesterday and it seems so far away at the same time. (laughs) So I think once, you know, we allow some of our, um, some of our, our, our young men to branch out and come out of this comfort zone that they've built themselves up in into the house or in their room or on the laptop, then we'll be able to, you know, really kind of decrease some of that social anxiety um, and hopefully just allow them to grow and develop a little bit more. Can we talk about how that social anxiety shows up, particularly for, for some of the younger folks in our community? Because I, I when you said discomfort around people, I'm like, yeah, I, I've seen that. I feel like even in the young people in my own family, I've got some nephews and, you know, we have a lot of nephews in the, on one side of my family. And it feels like the boys, they're, they were impacted in ways that I don't think we have actually healthily unpacked. And then there was some, a couple of incidents that took place over the past couple of months that just made me feel like, what? You're supposed to be 13 years old. Why are you acting like you're nine? Like, where is your cognitive ability? And and my husband had recently gone into a building where he was working with some teachers there and uh, he was working with some of the young people and had a beautiful session in their very culturally responsive space where this session was taking place. And then something happened on the way out the classroom and these beautiful little boys who had just been having this wonderful time, something snapped and in the hallway a fight breaks out over something that had happened like days ago and my husband was like it took three grown-ass black men pardon my language three grown-ass black men for these fourth grade boys who we had just had juices with we had just shared snacks and you know not for nothing but we're good at working with kids he was shook because he realized they're they might be nine years old but their reasoning skills their ability to sort of think rationally is like at six years old and it reminded me of something i used to joke about with my daughter i was like you might be going into the second grade but you know y'all missed a good year and a half so you're really more like a first grader and a half. so you know we would joke about it but it feels like those two years of being locked away in addition to creating the, the perfect foundation for a lot more social anxiety they really disrupted our growth or our children our young people's ability to figure out how to deal with people how do you talk to people how do you not go from zero to 100 in 0.2 seconds and can you talk with us through that a little bit I know I'm not the only one seeing it so talk with us a little bit about how that social anxiety is showing up because I know a lot of parents who are like what the hell is going on you're supposed to be in the fifth grade you're supposed to be in the ninth grade why are you acting a good two to three years beneath where you're supposed to be chronologically Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we are missing that emotional regulation component in order, you know, for us to be able to say, okay, this happened to me, but I don't have to necessarily react to it. I can have a response to it, which is Mm -hmm. completely different from a reaction. A reaction is something immediate. You don't really think about somebody stepped on my my Jordans, I punch them in the face (laughs) as opposed to a response. Somebody stepped on my Jordans. Okay, well, it's not really that big of a deal. I can get a paper towel, wipe them off. He didn't mean to do it. It's all good. Right. That allows a little bit, that allows us to think a little bit more. It allows us to calm down just a little bit and say, okay, Mm. let me process happen and am I really upset about this am I not really upset about this am I upset about it because everyone saw him do it and now I think I have to have a reaction to it or can I respond in a better way so that social anxiety that comes up and you know not necessarily wanting to be with other people having that anxiety in terms of that nervousness our hand sweating and us feeling like we don't know exactly what to say and how to interact Mm. with others in reality it's 
is something that, you know, unfortunately it, it happened during the pandemic and we're seeing it more and more. Yeah. But like you said, when we, before the pandemic, if we're in the fifth grade, you know, and then after we get back or from the pandemic, now we're in what the seventh, mm. those two years are valuable yeah. <laughs> in our development, yeah. not only with our peers, but just us, you know, we have to learn certain things. If we miss an assignment in class, we have to know and kind of backtrack, okay, well, I did this wrong. So how can I kind of come back and do it again the next time so that mm. I don't have the exact same results? Mm. And without those two years and those two years of us being on the computer and uh, let's be honest, a lot of these kids, when we were on the computers, they weren't really fully engaged right. in the classroom. Right. And with not having that engagement, it's okay, let me pretend like I'm paying attention. But in reality, I'm, I can step over here and act like I'm playing, you know, PS5 real quick. Right. So it's, it's something that we have to work on as a culture, um, just on getting better and kind of rebuilding. Um, but it just has to start from somewhere. And yeah. a lot of times that start with therapy and just being able to communicate uh, with others. Now, I, I would be lying if I said that I believe that all of these issues stem from the pandemic. I remember before the pandemic, there was an article uh, that was following some young men, I want to say in Philadelphia, and it was, or at least that's where the article was based. And they were talking about the fact that young black men don't be outside. Like they don't go outside. They stay in the house. And I was like, what? I see brothers on the stoop all the time. And the, the article was basically speaking to the fact that for young black men who don't have a stoop crew, they in the house. They don't go outside. They don't go out to meet. They, they play it on PlayStation. They interact electronically with people. And that's really something that we're seeing now. People able to, you know, play games with 50 million people. And, and so that really came to the fore during the pandemic. But the article was speaking to the fact that for many black men, going outside is frankly dangerous. And it, it's fraught with with concern you know whether you're dressed appropriately or whatever that means whether you're dressed in a way that makes you more comfortable whatever that means but that it was dangerous for them to be there and the article was sort of wondering where are all the young black men and it was tracing you know between the ages of 25 and 40 Brothers don't be outside. Like, and the younger boys who be outside often end up dealing with some of the, the challenges uh, that are there. And one of the things that attracted me to Minds in Motion was that you are a group of all black men uh, therapists. And, and I thought that, you know, if ever there were someone I could talk to about articles like that, it would be somebody from the Minds in Motion therapy group. Can you talk with us a little bit, even before the pandemic, just set the scene for what has been happening when it comes to young black men, and I know I'm moving beyond the elementary school age, but when it comes to young black men and their ability to find access to a clear mental health regime, process, space, because if this was happening before the pandemic, the pandemic is only exacerbating what already existed there. It feels to me like we are in a real desert when it comes to resources for young brothers outside of the barbershop. I don't really know of any places that black men can go. I mean, I'm a, I'm a black woman. I got sister circles all day. I got sister circle in New Jersey. I got sister circle in Brooklyn. I got sister. I could call a friend right now and find a sister circle anywhere I need to be. I don't know black men who have that same resource. Can you help us set the tone a bit? And I know some of you are thinking, well, Larry, I'm a black man. You know, I'm living this life. Okay. Yeah. It's one thing to live a thing. It's another thing to analyze it and to unpack what it means. So I, I'm asking you, sir, if you can help us analyze and unpack this, the fears that are outside and how they contribute to the inability for young black men to get access to the fullness of the life that they should be able to live. Yes. And I think you did touch on it in terms of, you know, there's a fear of going outside and whether that is a fear of 
us possibly encountering, you know, a, a, a situation with the police or possibly just another black male who right. we may not have interacted with before. Right. And it's unfortunate, but in the same breath, we have to be able to create that space. And I think men are now, I would say over the last couple of years, we're just now starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with meeting up with other black males and say, or with mm. other males in general. It's like, okay, well, hey, it's okay if we go to the gym. It's okay if we, you know, go play basketball. And it's also okay if we're able to just talk about other things outside of basketball, outside of school, outside of, you know, what's going on at home or anything like that. But just talking about exactly how we feel. Mm. And I found uh, it's always so interesting to me that every client, most of the clients that I deal with now, especially the Black males that I deal with, a lot of times, when I talk with them, they'll say, well, I was never really taught to share my feelings. I was always taught to hide those feelings and to, you know, not show any type of weakness or vulnerability. And to be honest with you, it's so much strength and vulnerability. It's Mm -hmm. us being our authentic selves. It's us saying, hey, this is me, whether you accept me or not. I'm happy with myself and I'm happy with the person that I am. So I can tell you when something hurts. I can tell you when I feel sad about something. And I know that it does not take away from who I am as a man or my strength as a man. Because it, mm. it's we all have feelings. We all feel some type of way about something, whether it's sadness, whether it's anger, and those feelings demand to be felt. Uh, demand to be felt. Mm. So if we don't allow ourselves to actually feel them in a healthy way, they're going to come out in a negative way eventually, somewhere down the line. Mm. <laughs> so it's important that you know our our young black males. Um, have those peers and have those um, those older mentors where to where they can say hey you know I feel sad today this is why I feel sad and this is what I want to do about it but Mm -hmm. just to have that confidence and to have that person there to say okay well that's valid I can understand why you would feel sad about that I can understand what you're going through I can understand how you're feeling right now yeah and suddenly you're saying that I can feel these feelings and you're not judging me or anything like that. Like, this Mm. is amazing. (laughs) And that allows us to open up a little bit more. So that's, you know, the main message I just want a lot of our young black males to walk away with today. And in general is that there's so much strength and vulnerability. So uh, you're reminding me of a conversation we had uh, maybe a year or two ago with, I think his name is Jason Williams. uh, And he talked to Wilson, Jason Wilson, I believe. And he talks about in his book about men crying and he came on the show and he blew my mind because at one point he was talking about the power of tears. And he was like, when your, your body is crying and your body is wounded in some way, those tears contain like, and I'm not going to say it the way he said it because you know, he's an expert, but it was like basically all the biochemical ish in your body that is causing you to have this sad feeling when you cry it is a cleansing process it's not just a a display of what you are feeling it is actually providing a a chemical a biochemical reaction or a process for your body to engage in that is a stress relieving process and he completely blew me away he said it far more articulately than I just did but when I think about that the power of tears the power of crying and again if I'm in a sister circle and something happening I'm crying like I'm gonna cry I'm gonna cry I'm gonna cry we gonna cry together I might not even be the one upset or hurt but it must sister friend is hurting and crying we gonna cry together it's gonna be snot and tissue for everybody because we that's what we do in those spaces and I, I feel 
I feel such hurt for black men that they don't have that in, in large capacity. I feel such a sense of loss for how this impacts the village that black men don't have access to that in many ways. And so, I, of course, I'm grateful for groups like yours, but I'm wondering if you can help us sort of figure out at this vantage point, whether you are six years old or 60, if you've been sort of enculturated to approach manhood in this way and to approach mental health support with this sort of disdain that seems to be sort of common throughout our community, how do we teach something different? How do we teach black boys um, to be comfortable enough with their feelings to express it? How do we teach black men, um, again, six to 60 or 90, whatever it is. Um, shout out to my grandfather. <laughs> He's like, you know, how do, we, how do we change that paradigm? I'm not clear as someone who cares about this issue. I'm not even clear that even in my own household, we're doing as good a job as we could do with how we're raising our son to be more expressive. What would you advise for those of us in the village who want the village to heal when it comes to making room for black men to have the freeness and the space to grow in this area? I would definitely encourage, especially parents, Black parents, to encourage their kids to openly discuss how they feel and do not shy away from that. Do not, you know, when you see your kid going through a tough time or when you see them crying or when you see them angry about something, dig into why they are upset or why they may be angry about something. Well, how do that I do that when the child is like, oh, I'm not mad. I'm fine. I'm okay. What, how do we do that? You can do that by, you Short know, of calling you. Them... <laughs> we can do that by, you know, allowing them to journal about how they may feel. Some kids aren't necessarily less communicators. They may not be able to identify, hey, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling insignificant or anything like that at school. So, okay, write about how you feel. Draw a picture about how you feel and describe to me why you feel that way. So that way it's not necessarily, okay, well, this is how I feel. Um, and, you know, this is the exact feeling of the exact emotion that I'm going through. And they, you know, it's an expressive art. So some kids may really benefit from that, um, just being able to express themselves in that way. Um, goodness, journaling is a really good one. Whew. I would See, say I those... think we need a session for parents because we parents, we be struggling, brother. Be like, how are you doing? Fine. How was school? Good. <laughs> what was good about it? I don't know. Like, that's sort of like, you know, okay, well, welcome back. <laughs> so... It's different questions that we can ask too. Like, what was the best part of your day? What was the worst part mm. of your day? What was the day where you felt proud of yourself? What was a part of your day where you felt like you could have done better? Um, we can ask that, you know, on a daily basis. We can huh. ask that on a weekly basis. Um, there's a self-esteem journal that I can definitely send over to you guys and you guys can spread with your listeners, but it really goes into literally a day by day in terms of today, I felt proud when I did this today, I mm. felt powerful when I was able to accomplish this. And the highlight of my day was this, and mm. it allows a kid to really look back and say, okay, well, wow, I, I had a good day today. How can I kind of repeat those same patterns? And if that was, I got an A on my test today, but I know I studied my, you know what, off, right. maybe I need to continue down that same cycle. And so I can recreate that same good feeling over and over and over again and mm. make my parents happy. 
I'm bringing home these good grades too, I right? I mean, you know, that's definitely one way to lessen stress in one's life <laughs> is to do that, to do that work. How did you guys get started, Minds in Motion Therapy? This seems like a, a dream job for a, a black male therapist, really for any therapist, but you all are a all black male group, uh, almost look like an R&B group when I look at your pictures. Like, how did this get started? And who are, are you one of the founders? Like, give us the backstory here, because not only do we need you all to exist where you exist, we need other people to take the goodness that you are putting in the world and systematize it and spread it into other places. So, so what's the backstory here? Yes. So Dr. Mason was the founder of Minds in Motion Therapy, and he just got it started when the pandemic kicked off. Wow. Um, so literally months prior to the pandemic kicking off, he got the building, but literally a few months later, it got shut down and he's like, okay, well, we just have to just go completely virtual. Yeah. So with that, that is us seeing clients on a day-to-day basis. That's us doing speaking engagements. That is us um, working with organizations and a wellness. And that's a mentoring factor with organizations, with other um, clients that we may have. And it's also the therapeutic aspect of it as well. Mm. So it's, it's a great foundation. I literally just started working or I got on board in October of this year. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made to be able to wow. be surrounded by these intelligent, um, amazing black males who are encouraging each other to, um, you know, uh, go on to the next level mm-hmm. of your life. Whether that is you developing um, on a personal level, whether that is you developing at an occupational level and a career level, it's pushing your brother to do so and then giving them the confidence to do it giving them the tools and the skills to do it so i i tell them every time you know i i absolutely love having conversations with you guys i love meeting up with you guys because i always walk away feeling so empowered Mm -hmm. feeling so affirmed that i am in the right space for me not only for me personally but my career as well and it's been literally one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Mm, I'm just going to say that uh, while you probably did not know this, we every day we do a moment of gratitude here on the show and we find something that can help us to be rooted in a sense of joy or gratitude or appreciation. I call those our superpowers. And today, one of the points was to find it was finding yourself as an act of love, expressing it as an act of rebellion. And it seems to me that you all are collectively doing that. You're creating space where you're able to, as individual practitioners, find yourself, help your clients find themselves and then doing so in a way that is a radical expression of self-love. And I think that is absolutely amazing. So let's move from the, the childhood context a little bit. Let's say I'm a grown-ass man. And me and my grown-ass man friends, we sitting in a room. We're going to play PlayStation. We're going to go to the gym. We're going to do those malehood things. But we all know uh, that as grown-ass men that a lot of times you could play hours of PlayStation and never once have a conversation that goes beneath the surface. So there's that, right? If I'm in that situation and I got this group of grown-ass men, we've been riding for, for 11 years. We, we've got each other's back. You know, if you need money, I got you. If you need a show to cry out, I might not ever know, but that's okay. But let's say I want to inject a little bit of this uh, awareness of mental health as an issue into the group that I am affiliated with, into my friendship group, into the group of my, my boys, whatever you want to call them. My limitations on imitating black men have been reached. But <laughs> if I'm in that se- if I'm in that space, what do I do? Mm. How do I start this into in a conversation? I don't want to be called, uh, you know, oh, you acting real, you know, fill in the blank of what, you know, what you all know would be said. How do I get this started if I'm not a kid? We don't have no no parents there to help monitor and supervise us, but I'm just with a group of brothers who I spend hours with on a regular basis, and I want more depth to that relationship. 
How do I do that? I think it starts with just having that conversation, that last sentence that you just had in mm. terms of I want more depth in these relationships. I don't want it to just be a, hey, are you online? Let's play 2K real quick. Hey, right. you want to go to the gym real quick? Hey, you want to go play basketball? No, let's actually dig a little bit deeper in terms of, hey, how are you feeling? Like, you good? I can see that your mood has changed a little bit over the last couple of days. Like, mm. I'm here to actually talk with you. I'm not just your gym brother. I'm not just your 2K brother. I'm actually your brother. So that means mm. that just as much as, you know, I would like to open up to you, I need the exact same thing reciprocated. And it's us just being able to be open and show that vulnerability, but it takes the entire group. So mm. if one person is, is, you know, is able to say, hey, I can't lie to y'all. I've been going through this with my girlfriend. I've been going through this with my parents. I've been going through this with my, at my job. And I'm really stressed out. I don't even know what to do next. Mm. We're not necessarily looking for an answer or advice. We may right. just be looking for events. We may just be looking, like you talked about, that sister circle. We're not saying all of us may be in a group crying or anything like that. But we may just, hey, brother, I'm here for you, man. If there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Do you want me to, you know, um, do we need to go out a little bit more and just have more time to talk? Like, is mm. that something that you do? Like, do we need to um, maybe take a vacation? Do we need to kind of, um, you know, kind of just step away from all of this? Do we need to goodness, go out to lunch. Do we need to do anything? Do we need to increase the, um, those in-depth conversations? Do we need to increase the, the time that we're spending together mm. and not just doing more 2k or doing more basketball, <laughs> but right. do we actually have to talk about things and you'll huh. be surprised how much healing can be done just by getting everything off of your chest. Mm. So many of us are just holding on to so much pain and anger that that's the only way we know how to function. So we wake up angry because we're still dealing with some stuff that we haven't dealt with from years ago. Wow. So us being able to, you know, release that pain, um, it's it's very therapeutic and it's very, very helpful. Now, I, I'm, as we're having this conversation, I'm seeing, I'm following one of the chats uh, that I absolutely love and adore. And someone's sharing a story about one of their male friends who went to a therapist and a the therapist was like, basically told them your problems are X, Y, and Z. And it was like basic, like, and the, the friend was like, you need to go to a therapist for that. Like, like, so talk with us about sort of what the goal of a good therapy session is. Is it for you to get a solution to your problem? Um, is it for you to get some insight that perhaps you did not have? Is it just for you to vent and get it off your chest? What are the actual, what should be realistic goals for coming out of a healthy therapy session? For coming, I think everyone that goes into therapy should have some goals that they would like to accomplish when they go in, once they start, whether it is, hey, I want to learn better communication skills with my partner, whether it's I want to be able to overcome some of these previous childhood traumas, uh, whatever the case may be. But one of my great supervisors that I work for told me that as therapists, we are seen as process consultants, as in we are here help guide you through this process in the best way possible. Mm. So in order for us to do that, you have to open up, we have to open up and just be honest. So in terms of the goals, it really depends on the individual coming into therapy, mm. depending on what their goals are, depending on what some of their issues may be. 
then that's a direction that we choose to uh, to go in. I like this process consultants, because if you're consulting me on my process, I'm not looking to you for the solution. I'm looking to you for guidance to make sure that I am going to reach the solution in as healthy a way as possible. I, that's a good phrase. We should have that on a therapy t-shirt. So y'all could just process <laughs> consultant. That's what therapy equals. Uh, I, I really appreciate the fact that you all have been able to carve out this space. I think it's so important. And it. I have been saying, and I'm of the opinion, and I have yet to be convinced otherwise, that there's really no freedom for us unless we are going to do things for ourselves. We could scream all day about the lack of black therapists, or we could just create some therapy spaces where black therapists can gather and then like, there they are right there. Um, and when it comes to creating these sorts of solutions for ourselves, I, I just believe that it's going to be on us. We're going to have to rely on our gift skills and talents. And you all are, have a really powerful model for what that can look like in an arena where we just simply do not see a whole bunch of folks who look like you. Uh, how can people follow Minds in Motion Therapy? How can they reach out to you if they want to secure services? Are you guys only working in Maryland? Give us the parameters of, of the work that you do. We do work in Maryland and in D.C. Um, if anyone is interested in therapy services, please log on to mindsinmotiontherapy.org. Uh, we have an Instagram page at minds underscore in underscore motion underscore therapy. Um, goodness gracious, there's so many <laughs> other uh, links that we have. We have um, another uh, another link on Instagram, color my mind co. We also have brown cmm on instagram color my mind.co as well um we have a lot of things going on in the website a lot of things that come in 2023 so if you guys are interested in therapy services you can also find me on instagram at i am michael barnett um we have a lot of new things that we are super excited for coming in 2023 so please be on the lookout for us and engage and interact with us whenever you can Yes, indeed. And I hope we can get you all to come back because I think I, I have a whole lot more questions. I took notes, as you can see, but I have more questions. I believe in taking notes and my notes often stir additional questions. And I think, again, this is just a conversation that has to be ongoing. I'm so tired of us having a reactive approach to mental health. And I think setting the stage for being more proactive comes with having the conversations before the crises hit. So I am grateful to you and the work that you all are doing. You have a great uh, IG page. I really do look like an R&B group from like the 90s. I'm just saying I'm a Gen X kid. So that's just what I really to um it's great look it's a great look and y'all do great work so we appreciate it thank you so much for being with us today looking forward to bringing you uh and minds in motion therapy back on the show we appreciate you thank you very much for having me i had a blast absolutely we appreciate it 